This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. This is the Dave Glover Show with Dave, Rachel, and Kevin. Sponsored by Michael's Flooring Outlet. The flooring experts. I got floor.com. on KMOX, June is past 4 p.m., gorgeous day out there. Uh, my next guest is Monica Kelsey. She's the CEO and founder of Safe Haven Baby Boxes. I saw this story in the news the other night. I told Andrew uh, we need to get someone to talk about this. Really amazing. Uh, Monica was abandoned herself when she was a baby, and uh, then she saw a baby box in operation at a church in Cape Town, South Africa, and uh, wanted to make sure that people in the United States could uh, do the same thing. Um, it's just an amazing story, and she joins us now. Hello, Monica. Hey, guys. How are you? Hey, doing great. So thank you so much for uh, giving us some time today. I saw this story on the news and was just, you know, open-jawed. I didn't know that such a thing existed in this day and age and the success of it. Uh, so please, just start from the beginning. Go back as far as you want, even to uh, to your own birth, and we'll just take it from there. Well, in order to understand where the passion and the drive comes from, um, like you said, you know, I have to go back quite a few years to get people to truly understand what the ministry is about and the passion. In 72, a, a young 17-year-old girl was brutally attacked and raped and left along the side of the road. And this was in 1972 when abortion was illegal in our country, even in cases of rape and incest, and, and I'm not here to debate abortion, I'm just stating the facts. Uh, but this 17-year-old girl was strong enough to, to press charges against a man who had raped her, and he was arrested and charged, and then uh, she finds out she's pregnant. Uh, she was hidden for the remainder of the pregnancy and then gave birth in April of 1973 and then abandoned her child uh, two hours after that child was born, and that child was me. So I, I stand on the front lines of this movement as one of these kids that wasn't lovingly and safely and legally and anonymously placed in a, a safe haven baby box by a parent that wanted me. And so, you know, this is my legacy and I am these kids' voice today. And, uh, and it's an honor to walk alongside these parents as they choose life for their children, something better for their children, but also allowing their lives to go on with no prosecution. And, uh, and so the safe haven law, you know, is, is something that I didn't realize was going to be as close to my heart as, mm. as uh, I realized, you know, after meeting my biological mother. So, Monica, uh, uh, I'm, I'm going to say if you're comfortable with it, which you obviously are, but tell us a little more of the story. I'm fascinated to hear about how you found out, when you found out, and then eventually meeting your mom. 
So I actually, I was adopted. My parents, uh, and I, when I refer to my parents, I talk about my mom and dad. That is my adoptive mm-hmm. parents. That's who raised me. That's who uh, was there for me my entire life growing up. And so my my parents got the call that a little girl needed a home, and I was nine weeks old. And so um, I was adopted by two amazing parents, honestly, that every child deserves to have. And so uh, I graduated high school. I joined the United States military. I spent eight years in the United States military, and then I joined the fire service and became a firefighter and a medic. Um, and uh, I got married, started a family, and then, of course, the, the conversation started to come up that that I needed to, um, you know, find my biological mother and learn her story. And so I was 37 years old when I reconnected with her. I actually found her by accident. And, uh, and that became the best and the worst day of my life because I, I had no idea of my beginnings. What my, what my parents were told when they adopted me was that my birth parents were young and love and couldn't care for me. So they placed me for adoption. And so you can imagine the shock uh, of finding my biological mother and then you know, finding out that my biological father is a rapist and I don't even know my ethnicity. My God. So what was that? I'm, I'm just I'm just so taken aback by that. What was that like for your birth mother, uh, that meeting? You, you tell me a bit what it was like for you, but watching her and, 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 and getting to know her a little bit that day, what was that like for her? You know, she... Uh... Um, the, the moment that I called her, that I found her, the first thing she said to me was, I've been waiting for your call. And so she used to, uh, and she's passed away since then, but uh, she would bake a cake on my birthday every year. And she never had many more children after me, which was very common with rape victims. And But she, she made a cake every year on my birthday, and she would just have a cake. Um, and that was how she celebrated me. Um, but she... Uh, she was beautiful, absolutely stunning and beautiful and uh, just an amazing person. But but this did not come without pain for her. I mean, she she slumped into a depression. Um, drugs and alcohol ruled her life for many, many years, as you can imagine, from the trauma of what happened to her. Um, and then to go on and never have any more children after this. It's uh, it's one of those stories that, you know, it, it does have a happy ending because the child that she saved is now saving others. But uh, it didn't come without pain for her. If you're just joining us, uh, my guest is Monica Kelsey, the CEO and founder of Safe Haven Baby Boxes. So let's bring it up to to date and tell us about this program, what it is, and and how successful it's been. Absolutely. So I'm actually tomorrow. I'm blessing the 205th baby box in the nation. I'm actually in uh, New Mexico doing that. And it's, it's interesting because, you know, I, I'm from Indiana. My husband is the mayor of our city. I just wanted to save a few babies in Indiana from abandonment and Christ, obviously. We lose her? Mm, she's still connected, but I'm not hearing her. Uh-oh. Oh, Monica, we hear you. Okay. So I'm sorry. I'm driving to Farmington, so I hope I don't lose you again. Okay. Go. You had just um, said that your husband was the mayor. You just wanted to kind of help out in a small way, and it, it's blossomed from there. Yeah, and, you know, just save a few babies in Indiana, and, and then Christ obviously had a bigger role for me, and now here I am across the country, you know, saving the lives of children. And, you know, the Safe Haven Law has been around for the last 22 years where a parent can walk into any fire station or hospital, hand their child to a person, turn around and walk away. Um, and, and that's happened about 4,700 times in the last 22 years. But in that same time frame, we've also found about 2,500 babies that have been found in dumpsters and trash cans. 
And so, you know, the safe haven law has to be advanced with culture. And so the next step is to allow anonymity for these parents who obviously want it um, uh, because they're leaving these babies at the doors of safe haven locations on in some instances. And so having a box at a fire station that calls 911 on its own, it's heated. Babies are in this box for less than two minutes. As two minutes is right now is about average mm -hmm. for the time that these babies are in these boxes. These babies are pulled from the other side by medical personnel and then taken to the hospital for evaluation and then placed with the forever family. So everyone wins in this situation. You know, the birth mom wins um, because she her life goes on. The, the child's life goes on and, and gets a, you know, a set of parents and uh, an adoptive family gets the call that they've been waiting for you know, for many years. But as, as I said earlier, you know, this, this process doesn't come without pain, you know, for that birth mom, she's, she's going to hold some pain and mm -hmm. hopefully she can come to peace with knowing that she's done what's best for her child and for herself. Monica on the television report, I saw, uh, it looked as if there were some documents that I guess the birth mother does not have to fill out, but are those something that say, had your mother done this, she could have said, here's my ethnicity, uh, diabetes runs in the family, things that the baby may want to know as it grows up. Absolutely. So that packet she actually takes with her. It's an orange bag and there's documents in it. There's there's stuff that she can mail in. She doesn't have to stay there and fill it out. This is what anonymity is all about with these boxes. That's why it's so successful is these women can do this in secret and they can mail this in. Now, I'm not telling every woman to, to go place their baby in a box and take the, you know, take the packet. What I'm saying is if you've exhausted all your options and you can't do a parenting plan or an adoption plan or you can't walk into a facility, then this is there for you. Take the packet. If you want to mail things in, mail things in, you know, your whether this was a full term pregnancy, whether, you know, your ethnicity, of course, your medical information, if you have siblings, anything you want to leave with this infant so that when this infant gets old enough, they at least have that connection back to their biological family. Uh, what can people do to help out, Monica? Well, the best thing to do is education and awareness. And then, of course, donations. We're a 501c3, so we're a nonprofit. We do not take government funds or state funds. Everything we do is by donations and fundraising. So if somebody wants to reach out to us and, and support us and, and hold a fundraiser or just donate money that, that, they, uh, that they would like to do, you, they can go to our website at shbb.org. Amazing story. Uh, thank you so much for what you've done. Thank you for sharing the story today. And uh, stay in touch. Continued good luck. Thank you so much, guys. Thank you. Wow. Wow. Jeez. What a story. I mean, just every aspect of it. Unbelievable. It's a little breathtaking a couple times, too, right? Sure is. Where I just looked up and my head snapped back like, yeah. oh, my goodness. Mm -hmm. I mean, you talk about... <laughs> You know, we, we've all had challenges. No two human lives are the same. But when you start feeling badly for yourself or sorry for yourself, think about that. Mm -hmm. Right? Mm -hmm. On on both ends, Monica and her birth mother. Mm -hmm. Incredible story. Let's break early. Okay. That's I, I don't think fine. there's much to, to do Hard after to that. Hard to follow that, yeah. Yeah, we'll be back in a couple of minutes here. DGS and KMOX, happy President's Day. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. 
You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink... What you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Welcome back, guys. DGS 420. Happy President's Day. Rach, what's the Dorito theory? Okay, so the Dorito theory is that you are wasting your time on things like TikTok and Twitter and Instagram because it's like eating a bag of Doritos. If you go for a chip and you have one, it's like, oh, that was good, but I need another one. I need 15 more. I need 30 more. You're Mm -hmm. never really truly satisfied when you're eating something like a chip or a Dorito because it's not really giving you the nutrients you need. It's not like having a steak or having a chicken breast or something that's going to nourish your body and give you energy. It's just kind of nothing, and it's you kind of feel the same as you did when you started whenever you have a serving of Doritos. So Mm -hmm. a lot of people are likening this to spending time online. It might feel good in the moment. You're getting your Dorito fix, but ultimately it's not doing anything for you. As you guys know, the only social media I have is TikTok, which I don't consider social media because I'm not socializing with anyone. It's more like TV programming for you. Yeah, I guess I could, but I don't. Um, But my question to you guys would be is, do you use, maybe Instagram would be the most similar to this as far as like entertainment. Am I right? Yeah. Okay. I'm not sure I understand what they're getting at with the Dorito theory. Well, here's the thing. It's like, okay, so what am I supposed to only eat chicken? I think it's just a way to try to make people a little bit more mindful about uh, what they're consuming online. But I'm with you. The whole, like, there's a million theories on TikTok. It's like the the red nail theory or, or the, <laughs> like, there's all sorts of theories. And I was like, this is pretty dumb. Yeah, this is like the... What's the red nail theory? I, th- I think I'm getting this right. Someone tweeted me if I'm getting it wrong. But the theory is if you are looking for a man to paint your nails red because it, like, attracts them. Oh, that's, uh, that's I can, that, yeah, that's true. It is? <laughs> yeah. Okay. I can vouch for that. The, okay. The thing I don't like about whenever people put these these oversimplifications in there, of course it is. Like, if you only ate Doritos, you would be really sick. And if you only watch TikTok and didn't go to work and interact with family and work out and do other things, 
Well, then, yes, it's going to mess you up. But who does that? Usually what what is being replaced by any entertainment activity is another entertainment yeah. activity. Mm-hmm. Right? Hey, Kyle, can you jump in here? Can you turn him up there? Mm-hmm. Kyle, you're 19, right? Uh, 21. 21, sorry. Um, when we talk about social media, I don't know to what degree you're on social media, but I assume you are. Uh, when someone my age, for example, or Wheeler, who soon be 72, um, when we talk <laughs> about it, do you just cringe like, oh, my God, shut up. You, you have no idea. Is it so ingrained in your DNA being raised in this generation that when we're like, look out for social media, do you just think these guys will be dead soon? No, I don't think that at all. I mean, I think we definitely use social media more and my generation certainly does, but we have the same ideas. I want to stay off of it as much as I can, but it's hard to do because like you were saying, Rachel, it's, it's addicting. It's mm-hmm. super addicting and uh, it's hard to get away from, especially when it's something that's so ingrained in what everyone does and you just want to talk to everyone and use that to communicate. Mm-hmm. But it is hard to step away from it, which is something that at least I try to do. How old were you when you got your first phone and your first like account? Uh, I got my first phone when I entered high school. Okay. What was the most difficult part of social media for you, if you don't mind saying, unless it's too dark or something, like what was the worst aspect of it being like a high school kid? Um, I don't know. I, I would say uh, toughest. That's tough because I think it, same as what I was saying before, it is addicting. I think my biggest struggle with it is just, not spending too much time on it and being able to put the phone down and actually do something with my day or do something that's productive instead of just, you know, scrolling through Instagram or scrolling through some type of social media because it feels better if you actually accomplish something as opposed to gaining nothing from just being on your phone. Yeah, it's really true. It's such an obvious duh that tonight if I go for an hour long walk, and I talked to someone tonight today, and they're like, what are you doing? I go, no, I took an hour-long walk in the park. But they're going to go like, that sounds lovely. If I say, oh, I did TikTok for an hour, no one's going to be like, good for you. Yeah. And I won't feel that way either. It'll be like, I wasted an hour. I struggle with all of this because we've been doing this for, like, forever. For the mm. longest time, it was kids are reading too many novels and they're not living in the real world and they're wasting their time reading about these stories and getting their hopes up and their dreams. And then it was radio and then it was TV and then it was video games. And now it's social media. And in 10 years, it's going to be something else. I, Go get them, Rachel. I, I don't. <laughs> it's always I, something that we got to stop doing. I, but you don't think that there's more of an intensity to social media or especially something like TikTok. Like I always say to Dave, like it kind of, Blows my mind that Dave went from having no social media to having like the heroine of social media. Like, <laughs> the most very like, condensed. Yeah. Like, I mean, you you have to see the difference between reading a novel and then spending two hours right. watching five second long videos. But we didn't jump from one to the other. Like when it was video games, that was the same argument. It was, oh my God, these kids are going to be addicted to video games. Look how cool they look and look how much more, you know, more time they're going to spend on these things. And For some people, all of those questions and concerns and negative sides are real. And for a lot of other people, it's just another form of entertainment. Mm -hmm. And I think the problem is we turn them into scares rather than understanding that we can work our way out of being caught up in it too much. Right? I mean, I just don't think it's a – it's clearly a pattern throughout recent history that anytime there's a new innovation – 
the new thing is the dangerous, scary thing that's going to ruin people. And then 10 years later, it's something else. And that thing's now fine. Does anybody complain about TV ruining kids now? It's I mean, only social com- media. People complain about kids <laughs> spending too much time watching, te- like babies and toddlers having too much screen time is not good for them. But it's not like a hot topic. It used to be. I want to watch TV with babies. It used to be. (laughs) Oh, you do? (laughs) They can't even hold their head up. (laughs) It used to be like the number one story. And, you know, like, remember when Congress was holding hearings on video games in the 90s and like, oh, my God, just Grand Theft Auto is this is going to. And it didn't change anything. People are flawed. They are always going to have bad things. They're always going to be addicted to something they shouldn't. And we need to fix those things and help people. But it doesn't help to scare everybody about the newest thing. And the newest thing is going to be AI and VR and all of that. And we're going to do the same thing all yeah. over again. He's talking about you, Kyle. Um, <laughs> like, you right Kyle's now? a scaremonger. You can't see it. <laughs> I, I mean, I can see it. I, I know He's that. He's controversial. He's terrified He's me a shock from jock. day one. Right from the jump. DGS, gorgeous out there. Dave Murray says uh, there's no cold air in sight. Uh, like the next 10, 15 days, pretty much through the end of the month. So uh, awesome. right next, like next weekend, isn't it supposed to be 70? Yeah. Fantastic. Um, do you want to keep talking about the True Detective? I know it's, it's up on, to you. It's on yeah. your show sheet. Yeah. yeah, yeah, it's up to you. No, go ahead. All right. So the season four of True Detective wrapped up uh, last night. It was when the last episode came out. And I found it interesting, and I'm going to do this without any spoilers, so don't worry if you're not caught up. I'm not going to spoil anything for anybody. But what I thought was interesting um, is that after I watched the show, I went to look at like what people were saying about it, like what reviews were saying about it, and I couldn't believe how split the views were. Like I, I thought the show was fine. I didn't. It wasn't an all-time great. I wasn't like, yay, can't wait to rewatch that. And I didn't hate it. It was fine. I'm glad I watched it. But it wasn't like, it wasn't Sopranos level. It wasn't Game of Thrones level. It was good. It wasn't at the level of the first season of True Detective. And maybe that's just because the first season was the first season. And you can never redo the first, right? (laughs) Like, it's hard to to do that. But the reactions were really strong. I was seeing, you know, a lot of it on Twitter, some of it on a couple of movie sites that where people give their thoughts on shows and movies. And there was one element of people like, this is the greatest show ever. Um, you know, the, the, uh, I'm forgetting the name of, uh, the new actress that was in it, but she played the character of Navarro, but the, the two main characters, uh, including Jodie Foster, that they were Odyssey is giving you a chance to win a trip to London to see Taylor Swift at the Eras Tour. It's Tay in the UK. Hey, it's Taylor. Just download the free Odyssey app, log in and listen to a participating station for a minimum of 60 minutes to get your daily entry. And you could win a chance to fly off to London with three friends and see Taylor. I can't wait to see you at the Eras Tour in London. For more, go to odyssey.com slash Taylor. Tay in the UK. It's on the Odyssey app. Thanks to Republic Records. This is a national contest. Amazing, and I think they were. I thought they were excellent, but like this is the best one ever. This was the best True Detective, and there was another side of it was this this epi- this whole season sucked. I hated it. It was the worst. Like one thing that the reviews of this kind of summarize a lot of where we are politically, where it's like something is either the best or the worst, and there is no in between allowed. 
I was very much in between. Like, again, it has its flaws, but it also has its strengths, and it's really good. And I don't want to give away anything further because I don't want anybody to even have a clue of what's going to happen in, in the last couple of episodes if you're not caught up because there's a lot going on in the last couple of episodes, as you would imagine. But you're watching it, Dave. I it, am. It, does do any of those do either of those describe you're not you're, you haven't finished I've not to be clear but do, to where you are now do either of those descriptions fit no because I don't I don't get it now I I have a theory mm-hmm. I explained that to you during the mm-hmm. break is that too much of a spoiler no I don't think so you don't think it's too much of a spoiler because no. I don't think it is myself but I wanted to check with someone that hasn't seen the end of it because I think what the what the split is is going to be men versus women. Because obviously it's a show that features two, the two main characters are women and they're awesome and they're great characters and they're great actors. And in the show, if you've watched it at all, the men are all either idiots or they're jerks. And I think that's, I guarantee you, if you looked at the negative reviews, I bet it's all guys. And the heroes are women. And the heroes are all women. And the women in the show, there aren't any, there aren't any that I can think of that you would say they're bad. Now, they have their flaws, certainly, but they're also, they end up, you know, I mean, the two main characters are women, so the story's about them. And I don't understand why that would cause such a split, because it's just this particular story. It's okay if the story is that, because I'm sure in real life, sometimes that's the truth, that you take a personal story and all of the bad people involved are dudes, or sometimes all the bad people could be women, who knows? But what it, what's funny to me is that for a hundred years... Women have either been set as one of two things, right? They're either, you know, just like part of the side story, the wife, the loving wife taking care of the kids, or they're the sex symbol. And that's how it has been forever. And when you go something that's different, which is, in this case, all the guys are idiots or jerks, that draws a reaction. I don't I don't know why we have to, like, why, why is it not okay for a show to be completely the opposite of what we've always seen. So, Rachel, I know you haven't seen the show, but mm-hmm. you obviously understand the point. How does that hit you? I was going to, before Wheels even said what he thought the split was going to be, I was going to say that too. A lot, you see this happen a lot whenever it's a female-driven piece of film, TV show, what have you. People will, like, go come out in droves and just bomb them with terrible reviews. Mm-hmm. Because they're threatened in some way. Uh, and then I think you have women overcorrecting by being like, no, it's actually the greatest show of all time. So then you have right. this very skewed perception of what's actually going on. I totally get what Wheels is saying. You would think that you would be able to go, hmm, if we measure this out, uh, guys, you're still winning. <laughs> like 95% success yeah, rate, like right? It's still mostly for you. But to me, it just highlights... You know, Hollywood has a really hard time writing women. They have a hard time portraying women in a realistic way. That's why we have things like, you know, the Bechdel test, which many shows and movies fail, which is, can you have two women on screen and they're not talking about a man? It, it A lot of times it doesn't happen. Uh, and then you have stuff like, you know, Barbie movie came out this summer and it was so, so controversial. People couldn't just say like, yeah, it wasn't for me. It was, this is woke BS right. and it's killing our society and blah, blah, blah. People just have such strong reactions to seeing women portrayed in specific ways. It's pretty and, weird. And this is why I wanted to bring it up because I don't look at what I saw there 
you know, all the men are jerks and the women are the heroes. I don't see, I don't care. It I doesn't don't, threaten it, you. It does. It's not. I don't look at that and go, "Well, that's terrible." And I don't look at that and say it's the most amazing thing ever because it's just that story. And a story can be any of these things. A story can be male centric or female centric. The story can be, you know, everybody's a bit of everything or and not. I mean, it like I, I don't, I don't get why anybody would be upset that this particular story is that. If a story is that, it doesn't mean that everybody's trying to say that that's how the real world is all the time. And I think at the same time, you can you can always look at the balance of most productions, right? Like how many women age 50 or older play huge roles in TV shows and movies, like central roles? All and, of them that I watch. I mean, it's getting, it's getting better for sure. Mm-hmm. But like... For a long time, once you get past 40, you can't be the lead anymore, and you're always cast against, like, an older male actor. Similarly, like the Homer Simpson syndrome, where for the last 25, 30 years, uh, every dad is no longer daddy knows best. The dad is a buffoon. Is a goofball, right, right, right. A goofball. The mom's keeping it together. The kids roll their eyes at the dad. Do you think that's a real thing in entertainment and harmful, or do you just think, "Eh, you know— Fair is fair. I think it's a counter, and I also think that what I mean, like what what do what does most comedy do? It pokes at the current reality, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, like most comedy is about making fun of of power, and for a long time, dads were the power. And now dads get to be the butt of the joke. And maybe it was an overcorrection. Maybe it still is. I don't. I don't watch much of the like. I don't watch much network TV, so I don't pay attention. But it's okay to go back and forth, and it's okay if you and you can recognize it and be like, "All right, I see what's going on there." But I don't think that any of it is that serious, right? I don't think any of it is like we're going to change society because I don't think that's what's changing. I think that is a reflection of what's changing as opposed to what is causing the change. I agree with everything you're saying. My only input would be that uh, I'm not offended by it. I think you have to be pretty thin-skinned and a pretty insecure male to be like, hey, but what about... It's like, it's fiction. I I come at it more as... uh, a creative, and I'm like, okay, we got it. It's lazy. It's, la- it's lazy. I would agree with that, but that's why I don't watch network TV because network TV is lazy by nature. I it's just, formulaic, and it's going to be the, what the, I mean. You you nailed it. They they're, they're going to follow a formula that has shown that it works. Well, if that's that formula works, they're going to keep doing it. I just think that. I don't. I also don't think it's like you know the Illuminati's attempt to mold society. <laughs> I, I think it's lazy, and I think it's just an indicator of how bad a lot of writing is and how yes. uncreative we've become. Maybe our society just isn't that creative anymore. Maybe it's like, oh, we have to, we have to portray women in this way. We have to, yeah. or else you know people aren't going to be happy. And we have to paint the guys as this way because that's the only way we can get our message across. Just write people as real as you possibly can and people will respond to that but instead it's everyone's tiptoeing around each other and aiming the ball too hard it's just see i think that's about as good of a definition of woke as i have heard is that when you're making choices out of fear and following what you think the current rules are as opposed to making an artistic choice and a brave choice and a valid choice like i want the lead to be a white guy 
this is a white guy movie, but I, I'm afraid to do that, so let's not do that. That, to me, that's the only thing that ever bothers me about, like, any kind of a wokeness is, is the, the lack of bravery. If you're going to write a story about a white guy, write a story about a white guy. If you want to write a story about African-American lesbians, do it. Just make it a good story and quit making your choices based out of fear. the start of the show, we had some interesting stuff coming out of Jupiter. I'll just kind of sum it up for you real quick. Uh, Nolan Arenado was making some statements about how last year one of the problems, not the problem, but one of the problems was that the young guys kind of took over the clubhouse. The veterans didn't step up and do what they should have done and he didn't because he wasn't having a good year and he didn't feel like maybe he had the authority or the reason to do it. Miles Michaelis did a podcast. He commented on it. Uh, Wheels has been talking to Paulie and Gould and Ackerman and those guys and you have an update. Yeah, so it's it's interesting because you know we talked a bit about it and it's gotten some buzz i mean that foul territory is a really well-known national baseball podcast so it's got some attention um but i asked matt i'm like i texted paulie earlier and we may touch on this at 5 15 as well but i said like what's the mood down there is this at all a topic of conversation is is it a normal feeling spring what's going on and he's like yeah basically he's like this is not really a big deal down here this is not something that's the dominant topic everybody here is talking more about what they're seeing. So today's the first day of a full squad workout. So you're seeing Nolan Arenado taking batting practice and you're seeing you know live BP pitchers throwing to hitters and things. And that's actually, to me, that was really good to hear. I'm glad that it seems normal. The last thing we need is a distraction. Yeah, Cause again, I don't know that, you know, we talked earlier, whether all of the things that were described by Arenado and Michaelis in those conversations, which weren't, they were, was, they, they were none of, neither of them were making this out to be a major issue. They were just pointing out the things that they observed last year. I'm glad that it's not the overwhelming thought and conversation right now. It shouldn't be right now. It should just be getting ready for the season and doing normal things. I, you know, with that whole conversation, I really do appreciate the insight that they're willing to offer on their own behaviors and you know how each of them, Michaelis and, and Arenado mentioned that their own struggles kept them from reaching out and, and taking better care of younger guys and that they both, especially Arenado is like, I, I learned, I gotta, I gotta be better at that. I think that's something uh, it's easier to do those things when you are going well. And some of it's, it's not about pouting. It's just that you're so worried and focused on trying to fix your own problems you're not taking the time to pay attention to what other people might need in that regard. Um, I didn't really, I wish they wouldn't have mentioned the younger players in this conversation as much as they did because they didn't blame the younger players. I want to be clear. This wasn't like it was their fault because it was very clear. If anybody looks back, it, the problem was the veteran players did not perform well. None of them. I mean, whether it's Michaelis or Wainwright and by well, I mean to their own standard. And in Wayno's case, it just fell apart. Um, not to be mean, it just did. And I think he has acknowledged that more than one time that when you have a seven ERA, it didn't go very well. And I think the thing that needs to change for this year is not, it's not the attitude stuff. It's not clubhouse stuff. The veteran players need to be what they're expected to be. If Nolan Arenado is Nolan Arenado, if Miles Michaelis is the version of himself that he's supposed to be, if all of those things happen, then they'll be okay this year. They're going to be fine. 
because the young guys are always going to be erratic and they're new and they are learning. And I hope to hear some more stories about guys like Jordan Walker and Mason Wynn saying, yeah, the guy that really took me under his wing this year was was Nolan Arenado or Tommy Edmond or, or Paul Goldschmidt and not. You know what? <clears throat> I'll bet you that this conversation will spark the same conversation with every club. It should. I'm sure. And I'm sure, by the way, this this is new to us because they're saying it. I guarantee you these were their conversations at the end of last season. And again, it informed Mo's moves. It's it, You can tell. It's when impressive. You, when you look at those moves, the personalities that they brought in, I've never not, this explains I've, it. I've never not been impressed with Mo, but now having a little behind the scenes and realizing what you're saying, that's that's impressive. Yeah, and he's he, look, he's got every every person involved in a team has their strengths and weaknesses, and Mo's got his own weaknesses. Um, a lot of times they bank too much on what they like and know as opposed to something different. Yeah. And that's been a problem for the organization. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for well-qualified customers. Contact us before canceling accounts to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See T-Mobile.com. Odyssey is giving you a chance to win a trip to London to see Taylor Swift at the Eras Tour. It's Tay in the UK. Hey, it's Taylor. Just download the free Odyssey app, log in and listen to a participating station for a minimum of 60 minutes to get your daily entry. And you could win a chance to fly off to London with three friends and see Taylor. I can't wait to see you at the Eras Tour in London. For more, go to odyssey.com slash Taylor. Tay in the UK. It's on the Odyssey app. Thanks to Republic Records. This is a national contest. Hey.